welcome to the Read Option Podcast, your source for entertaining Chiefs content. Disclaimer, we have no affiliation with Andy Reid, nor do we have the right to use his face or the Twitter profile picture. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome back to another episode of the Read Option Podcast. It's uh, Frankie here, and I got Nick next to me. Um, Nick, are you ready for the big 4th of July weekend this weekend? You got any big plans? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, well, when you guys are listening to this on 4th of July, I'm going to be hanging out with my family, watching a big fireworks show. It's going to be going to be fantastic. I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, so we hope you guys have a very safe and uh, fun and exciting 4th of July. Remember, just uh, be safe with those fireworks, kids. Yeah, please come back, w- you know, get to July 5th with all of your fingers still yes. intact. We don't we don't need any uh, any JPP. Uh, <laughs> any see, I was going to go there if Jason you didn't. Pierre Paul, three fingers. <laughs> I was going to go there if Coming you didn't. back on July 5th here. Okay, but um, so with this show, obviously there's um, – this is probably the – slowest point of the entire offseason, entire year of uh, NFL football. Um, but we decided that we're going to do something today in honor of Independence Day, in honor of our freedom. We are <laughs> we're going to give Yeah, you you teased the uh the freedom episode. The freedom episode. At the end of last week's episode. So this is kind episode. of our way of giving you a, a freedom episode. We're going to highlight one player on offense and defense. Each of us are Each going of us are going to highlight one player on offense and defense that we want to see, quote, be set free this season, where not necessarily, you know, become a superstar, but we want them to just be able to get the ample opportunities to, you know, contribute to this team like we think that they would. Yeah, we, yeah, these guys are going to be guys that we want that probably more more than the coaching staff believes at this point like just us as fans and as observers of this team we want these four guys each each of us is going to pick one guy on offense one guy on defense uh that we just we want to be as um (laughs) as uh espn guy uh fantasy guy matthew barry has talked about aaron jones for the last about three years he said free aaron jones yeah so Uh, we we're gonna we're gonna we want to free our own players here for the chiefs yeah, which is give them, we want to give them every ample opportunity. We want them to like play multiple full games, you know, near hundred percent snaps, uh, as close to hundred percent snaps as as we can, because we think that they can make a massive jump this year. We're hoping for it. So I guess um, without further ado, man, let's get into it. Do you want to go first on offense, or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. Okay. I'm, so on offense, the guy that I really really want to see set free this season is MVS Marquez Valdez Scantling. Um, and maybe I'm a little biased because he's I'm tall and he's tall. <laughs> he's right. Are you as fast as him though? No, I'm not even close <laughs> to as fast as him. I probably couldn't make it to the 20 by the time he made it to the 40 in terms of the 40 yard dash. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> um, he he's really just a guy that I think that I think the coaching staff and and this front office both really see him 
see him in a similar light that I do, uh, just with the contract that we gave him, the three-year, $30 million um, $30 million yeah. contract that, that we're giving him. Um, but he is just a guy that I I think that in Green Bay, he's sort of been trapped behind Devontae Adams yeah. and trapped in an offense that Aaron Rodgers would not give a whole lot of throws to anyone outside of Devontae Adams and sometimes Aaron Jones. Um, yeah. I mean, there was, there were several games where it was like, over 50% of the target share went to just those two guys, just Aaron Jones and Devontae yeah. Adams. And so MVS didn't really get too many games. He didn't get too many games where he got where he got quite a few targets outside of a couple of games when Devontae Adams was injured. And in that case, defenses were keen onto him because he was kind of the default number one. Yeah. You know, um, it, it feels like he was he was to no fault of his own. He was kind of stuck in that one dimensional role in Green Bay. I mean, his best games. You know, if you go back and look at the stats, it's like his highlight games are like two for eighty and a touchdown. You know, like he his basically his his main you know his his role in this offense was to he was a deep threat, right? Um, but in Kansas City, I mean, they obviously. That's a lot of money to give to someone who's who's exclusively a deep threat. So I think they they view him as a much more complete receiver, and obviously it's it's paying off from what we're, we've been hearing. Yeah, and really what I how I want to see him set set free, and I think the way that he can be set free is as a is still going to be probably that number three in this offense behind Travis Kelsey and Juju. Um but I think a number three that is more trusted by the quarterback yeah. is going to um, like, I think I think, and I really hope that Mahomes gives him a chance at several, like six to eight target games, maybe even a couple 10 target games, just depending yeah. on game flow. Um, and I think with his, with his speed and size combination, he can do, I think he can do a lot with eight targets in a game. Like I think, again, I think that this will happen at least a couple times, and I hope it happens a lot more than one or two times. But these stat lines of eight or nine targets and like six catches for 130 yards and one or two touchdowns, like I think that MVS, if he's given the chance... I think he can have multiple of those explosion games with more than one or two catches. Yeah, and it's because it's so interesting. I mean, we've talked a lot, a lot about the receivers, but when you when you look at it, the I mean, we really don't know who's going to be the number one receiver this year. So you can make a reasonable argument for Juju, and same with Sky Moore, and same with MVS. I mean, even same with with Hardman. You know, if you really want to go there, that he's the most experienced receiver in this bunch so I think if he's you know like you're saying set free and give him the opportunity to just become a trusted receiver for Mahomes with no label with no oh he's the deep threat guy he's the this guy he's the that guy he just goes out there and he runs the routes and makes plays I mean you know we've already been seeing that their connection and the no look passes he's already catching for Mahomes they've already got something going there so I think I think we're it's going to be a good bet to see 
MVS with with a probably a career year this season. So I do think he will be set free. Yeah, I I really hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we'd that, all and we'd all like to see it too because, you know, we need playmakers like that. Yeah. And Mahomes is is very much like Aaron Rodgers in that he's got incredible arm talents and can get the ball basically anywhere on the field and anytime he wants in any position. If he's fallen to the ground, he can still launch the ball, you know, 50, 60 yards plus. Yeah. So he's, so he's very used to, I mean, he's played with two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever throw the ball. So he's, he's doing, he's doing pretty good for himself. And I, he's, he's, he understands how to play with the quarterback like Aaron Rodgers and like Pat Mahomes. So he gets it. But my, the difference between Rodgers and Mahomes is that, Mahomes has put a lot more trust in his number three and number four guys than Rodgers yeah, has. That's true. Case in point, guys like Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson are both are both guys that I can think of that certainly significantly less talent than MVS at the wide receiver position, just as a pure wide receiver, in certainly in my opinion. Um, but guys that yeah, on average, maybe only got a couple targets a game, but there were occasional games where those guys would become a real trusted target and would get more more targets than they probably should have given their talents just because Mahomes trusts his number three and number four and even number five guys to be able to catch the ball that yeah. he's willing to give them targets. So a guy that's significantly more talented than guys like that at that number three number two, three, four position, whatever MVS ends up as, I think he's got a real chance to be set free this season. I think so. I think that's a solid pick, and I agree. I can I can certainly foresee MVS playing a big role um, for this team. So how about your guy on offense? My guy, and he's considered, I guess you consider him a fan favorite, but really last year we saw the hype that's been building for Jody Fortson. We've seen the hype building for a couple of years in camp, and he just, you know, he didn't make the team one year, and he didn't do this, but he came to camp last year, and he put it all together, the blocking, the special teams, and he impressed so much that he made the team, the Chiefs kept four tight ends, and he was buried on the depth chart, but he was becoming... So the Chiefs' offense was very... I would say if they lacked at anything last year is that they were not good in the red zone. Um, but at the beginning of the of the 2021 season, uh, Jody Fortson, he only totaled five catches for uh, 47 yards and two touchdowns. But those were all plays, you know, plays when it was either when we needed to move the chains and we needed a guy down there, or it was, you know, he caught two red zone touchdowns and – he now granted we didn't have the height in the receiving room like we do now so you know we needed to throw him out there instead of a guy like a Robinson or a or a Hardman you know so but still he's a guy that I would honestly prefer to keep on the team over I mean I still think we're going to keep four tight ends, but if you want to go talk about Noah Gray, I mean, the guy who's essentially, I get it, he was a rookie last year, but he really, unless that's the Kelsey heir apparent that they're just going to sit and wait, like he's, I think Jody Fortson would, would be more valuable to this team than Noah Gray next year 
if they if we if I had to pick between the two. He's the the six six monster. Yeah. That that can have those two catches for ten yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. So, sort of sort sort of tight exactly. end. Exactly. And games. and I get it, you know, oh Ford's in season, like that's that's been a huge thing for the for the kingdom for a few years now, but he's almost fully recovered, I think, from that Achilles and um I you know, he's he got a taste of we all got a taste of what he could do last year and I think having that type of player, that role player that we throw in in a red zone situation is very valuable, especially when you have Kelsey on the team and now you're adding Juju and all the other guys. So Forson is going to be a guy that can really go in and, and, you know, catch touchdowns. I mean, we could have, we could, you could tell we could have used something like that in the red zone last year towards the end of the year. It was, we really struggled figuring it all out. Um, I'm not saying the chiefs offense was bad by any means, but, that that just seems like a player to me that we need, and he was able to fill that role. Not only that, but play special teams as well. Um, so that's that's my guy, kind of to look at. Um, again and again, he's not going to go out there and, and be a you know a fantasy factor, but a guy that's going to come in and, and make a difference. Yeah. Now here here's a question: If assuming he comes back fully healthy from that or at least as healthy as he can be um from that from that Achilles injury and that he does make the roster and and get a chance to be set free um my point being if all goes well for Jody Fortson the number say over the course of a 17 game season even if he gets injured a couple plays 14 of those games do you think seven touchdowns do you think that is way too bold do you think that is a reasonable expectation or do you think that is even below what you think the expectation could be just how how big and strong he is and you know how much of a basketball post player that he can right. he can be in the red zone see i was i was actually thinking about you know what i would set um you know if you set an over over under for force and let's say you know four right I mean, I'm yeah. just I'm just throwing it out there. Like, I don't know. Seven might be too a little too rich for me. I think I'd go. I'd probably you, you'd go. Take, you'd take the under on seven. On, if we're over under a seven, I'd take the under for sure. How about five? Would you take the over under on five? I don't know. I'm still going. I'm still leaning four. Makes sense to me. So if the over under was set at four and a half, would Ooh, you okay. would you say? He hits. He hits under. He hits four, or he hits at least five. Right. I'm naturally. I I want to say under, but I think if he makes a team and and plays the way he did last year, I think his reasonable range is somewhere between four to seven or eight touchdowns. I'd say, which is, if you think about it, that's a lot. That's a lot of touchdowns. Yeah. No. Seven or eight is a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like, I. I we don't have the stats pulled up. I wonder how many touchdowns Kelsey had last year. It's probably, you know, around 10, give or take. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Kelsey had at least 9 or 10 touchdowns last last season. And pretty much, I mean, for the last, whatever, six or seven years, I think Kelsey's probably averaged between 7 and 9 touchdowns per season with a couple, with a couple big double-digit seasons yeah. thrown in there. 
Uh, so I guess we can transition in defense now. Yeah. So on defense for me, and I know uh, when we talked about the draft uh, back in back in April and back in May, uh, this was a guy that I was already really high on and already kind of mentioned that I just wanted to see him just go ham, be set free. Uh, but rookie defensive ends, George Karlaftis. Oh, yeah. He's just, I mean, you can go back and listen to our, you know, post-draft analysis to hear hear me gush on him a lot more. Um, but he's really just a guy that has a, has a motor of 110 every single second that he is out there on the field. And I think he's a guy that's, I mean, we've already seen that the Chiefs have had to pull him back and tell and like insist that he tones it down in practice. Yeah. So far this off season. Uh, so it sounds like a guy that, that is dying to be set free. Yes. <laughs> and that if, if he is not set free, it will not be by his choice. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that they're, you know, they're going to unleash those reins come, come preseason and come, come regular season. So now I think cer- certainly as, as a rookie, there's there's a lot, a lot that he will still need to learn in terms of rushing efficiently, I guess. So, I do think Chris Jones will still lead this team in sacks. Either Chris Jones or Frank Clark, if Frank Clark has a major resurgence uh, in actually finishing off plays and getting to the quarterback. Um, I think you know. I think there's a good chance that you know Frank Clark is who he is. We all we've we've talked a lot about Frank Clark, but there's a good chance that he kind of surprises some people this year. I think like we're, we're almost discounting the fact that like, hey, Frank Clark is still on this team. Yeah, but I mean to to that point with Frank yeah. Clark, if Frank Clark does have a resurgence and Chris Jones is Chris Jones, you know the guy we we expect him to be once again this season. That will take some pressure off of Karlaftis's side of the line, uh, and so if he's if he's got a bunch if he's facing a bunch of one on ones this season and not facing you know and Chris Jones is still drawing the double teams, which I think I expect a lot more of this season. I think I don't know. You want to put an over under on a sack number for Karlaftis for me? You want me to set the number? Yeah. It's really tough because he's he's a rookie, and like I said, ru- when I mean rushing efficiently, I mean like rush rushing smart. I think he's only going to get better at that as the season goes on and as his career goes on. So this year, I'm kind of expecting his sack numbers to be a little bit lower than say two years from now. Okay. At least at least that's my expectation. But over under seven and a half sacks. Seven and a half sacks this season. Frank Clark, in my opinion, Frank Clark would have to be disappointing for Karlaftis to hit that number. So I'm going to say I'm going to take the under on seven and a half. Either either that or Frank Clark is is performing so you know so well that he that Karlaftis is able to you know exploit the right. I yeah I think where where I expect Frank Clark to be. Frank Clark would have to be either yes significantly better 
or significantly worse, significantly disappointing for Karlaftis to hit that hit seven and a half. So I I would take the under on seven and a half. So you're betting on Frank Clark being better than he was last year, let's say. Yes. I'm I am betting that Frank Clark will have more sacks than Karlaftis this season. Yeah. I, I Listen, I, if Carl Aftis comes and leads this team in sacks, then we have a real conversation to be had that he's I mean, that's that's pretty that's, impressive to do. That's really that's really the thing. And I think maybe you put it at seven and a half. I think you put it at you put that number at five and a half. And I think that's probably about the number that I would say for Carl Aftis. Like I think So you're in the five to seven range. Yeah, I would I would say, yeah, I'm in I think he will get – he'll probably have, figure out a way to get a sack and a half, you know, one and a half to two, like once this season. He'll just have an explosion game yeah. against a terrible right tackle that he'll just eat alive for an entire game. So he'll have probably have one, like, multi-sack game. And then I think he'll have about three or four more games where he gets one or he gets a half. Um, so yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking five to six and a half, seven is the expected range. So yeah, I'd say about five and a half to six is where I'd set the over under seven and a half. I'd probably still take the under, but still a guy that I would love to hit the over on. Oh, and, and I, <laughs> right. I, I hope he hits the over on that number. And that's where you're hoping he's, he's set free and he's able to hit the over. Exactly. So, so if the coaching staff lets Karlaftis set himself free. <laughs> yeah. Then and that's the that's the thing that uh, I don't want to say it worries me, but it's just something to consider is that uh, Spags is usually like that with the rookies. He likes to hold them back, let them learn instead of giving them a full time role right away. We saw it with Nick Bolton. We've seen it with Thornhill. We've seen it with, I mean, even Kindo, Josh Kindo last year. He, you know, he did have the injury, but he really didn't play at all. So, and granted, he was a six-round pick. I mean, he's not a first-rounder, so it's a very different story. But Carl Aftis sh- should be given every opportunity because why not? Yeah, I, I don't see there's there's no one else in our you know in our defensive line room outside of Clark and Chris Jones that should really challenge Carl Aftis for I'd say by about. Week five or six, I think Karlaftis should be getting north of seventy percent snaps. I think that's I, a this this is a pretty appropriate segue into my player because you just said there's nobody on the defensive line <laughs> who would uh, <laughs> challenge Karlaftis and and you gonna disagree with that? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree. I'm just going to say that there should be another guy who gets an opportunity to become a rotational edge rusher, and his name is Mike Dana. I've always been big on Mike Dana because he's he you know he was kind of a, a guy that we drafted and he was forgotten about because at the time we had you know we just signed Frank Clark we had Chris Jones I was like oh this this edge rusher we don't really know who he is whatever and um listen he's not like I'm not trying to hype him up as he's our full time starter he's you know but he hasn't had the chance last year he, he did play 48 percent of the snaps but that was just due to injuries and everything else but um he had three sacks last year in the, in the time he did play and the games he started 
with 10 QB hits. So that's a that's an elim- that's an unlimited role. So if you let him play that limited role again this year and expand on it and come in, you know, on a third down situation or because he's, you know, he's his run defense is it is what it is, but I'm I'm more talking about just you know pass rushing help because that's what that's what we need, and that's why we've always you know we've still been talking about we still need another veteran edge rusher. Like yeah, that would be nice, but it'd be also nice to let's see what these guys on our on our roster right now can do. Um, and that's why I think they should let Mike Dana continue to become that rotational third edge rusher on the team. So you think that, yeah, as that rotational guy, he can honestly sub in on either side of that line, you think? Yeah. So if, if you know, Frank Clark's getting whatever, 65 70% snaps, and in my scenario, Karlaftis is getting nearly the same percentage of snaps, you know, subbing Mike Dana in, probably still getting north of, you're hoping for north of 50%. I'd or, say, or, I mean, or it was, right, right around that. It was number. probably reasonable last year. Um, again, last year was just a weird year for our defense in general. Uh, but I'd say if, if we, if I set Carl Athis's over under, what was it, seven and a half? That's what you said. That's it what at. I said it at. So if we set Mike Dana, let's say three and a half, what are you taking there? Mike Dana at three and a half, and what did he get last year? He got three, three. and ten QB hits. Yeah. Um. Three and a half. That's honestly a really good number because I think that's almost a push for me. I <laughs> I will be. I don't know. You could take the. You could spot on take it. Three and a half. <laughs> I'm like. Oh, I think. Well, here's the thing. I think only one of Carlaftis or Dana is going to hit the over. On the on those numbers. Because so so, yeah. so my yeah, my yeah. number of Carlaftis, the over if Carlaftis hits the over on five and a half, I think Dana probably is a push or under the number of three right. and a half to four. Right, because we're expecting. I mean, we're, we're have the expectation for Frank Clark to probably hit ten or more sacks. You would think, right? Yes, and I hope that Chris Jones can hit. Can hit that ten. Can hit ten to twelve. Yeah. Once again. So. So really, what I'm what I'm basically saying is, I think between the two, between Mike Dana and Karlaftis, I think they can probably combined hit nine to ten. So. Okay. That's and that's you know what I would be very okay with that. And so if it ends up being Karlaftis hits seven and a half to eight, and Dana only hits two to two and a half. I'd probably say that's more, in my opinion, I think that's, I don't think that's all that likely that Karlaftis goes that high in his first season, but I do think it's, in my opinion, I think it leans his way more than like a 50-50, like both of them get five to five and a half. Okay, so let me pose a different question because Frank Clark had four and a half sacks last year. That was, yeah. What if, and I granted he, you know injuries, whatever. But let's say, let's say, let's say Frank Clark is that low again. Then what? What do you think shakes out between Carl Aftis and Dano? But if if Frank Clark is really around the five sack mark, where do you think 
what do you think is going on between Carl Aftis and Mike Dana at that point? Uh, well, I think our, I think our defense overall isn't I, would be in dire need of help. Probably, I don't know. I wouldn't go so far as say dire need, but I'd say about one step, one step short of that. As in, like Frank Clark needs to be effective. Now, yes, sacks are not the only measure right, right, right. of how effective these guys can be. But if he's not drawing, even if he doesn't, if he only gets four and a half sacks, there's a difference between four and a half and drawing the attention of a guy that yeah. normally gets ten. Or if he's actually, if he's only drawing the attention of a guy that gets four to five sacks in a in a season, like he did last year, then I then I think that's a problem. But, but I, here's the deal with Clark. I'm you know I'm cool with him if he gets four and a half sacks this year, like you said, and he's able to set the edge, draw double teams, you know, be a be a factor in the run in the run game. You know, that's because then that'll free up the other side inevitably. You know, yeah, that's that's what allowed Melvin Ingram to be as good as he yeah. was when he when he came in because there were those moments when Frank Clark still drew that drew that attention away yeah, from from Ingram. At, at the end of the day, Frank, you know, Frank Clark is a is a very solid player that you know that coordinators don't necessarily just ignore. I mean, the offensive line's going to factor in like, hey, you know, Frank Clark's going to be on the side and he's he is who he is and we're going to have to figure out how to guard him. And we are this is just Forget, you know, we're not even mentioning the fact the fact that uh, before his restructure, either I forget if that was was that earlier this offseason or yeah. if that was okay. That before his restructure, he was the highest cap hit on this team. Maybe even including no, not he wasn't over Mahomes' cap hit, but he was the second highest cap hit. I think it was like twenty eight or twenty nine overall on this team. Yeah, only a few million behind Mahomes' cap hit. So and, before his yeah. restructure, so he is and. I mean that being that being said, that means when he signed his deal with us, we expected him to be that slam dunk number oh, yeah. one. When we when we signed him to that five year deal after we trade, yeah, we expected him to be that type of guy. You know, the the borderline all pro play that we saw in Seattle. I wouldn't go that far, but he was. But and then that's the thing with the with the restructure this year. It almost looking back at it, people were upset, but it's almost better. Because we saved, you know, around the same amount of money that we would have if we cut them. And then guess what? We still get Frank Clark on the team. So if we were to just outright cut Frank Clark and it's like, okay, what do you what do you do to replace him? You have nobody now. Now there's nobody. So they they at least and Frank Clark wanted to be here. He took less money to, to stay here. Um I I I do think we're talking about we haven't even talked about Frank Clark's not over our guys, but here we are talking about Frank. <laughs> yeah. He I mean both of us chose the defensive lineman, so we're talking about the whole line as a whole we end up, end so up doing. But he in order for both of these two guys to be set free, I don't know. Frank Clark has to be effective. Now whether that looks like ten sacks or whether that's a guy that's significantly improved but only ends up with Four and a half sacks because he's facing double teams, you know, 50% of the snaps that he plays. Well, the Okay, here's the opposite. In order for these guys to be set free, Frank Clark has to be doing terrible, which 
then presents the need for these guys to play. For both of these guys to play. Yes. So it's a it's a weird conundrum we just kind of got ourselves into, but <laughs> it's uh it's certainly something that's going to be interesting because we need we need bodies at the edge rusher position and we need w- something more effective than than last year because Melvin Ingram is no all-pro, but he there was a noticeable shift in when Melvin Ingram was on this team and he was able to provide any sort of pass rush, period. Yeah. And so you know, they, see how, saw how big of a difference it made the defense because Chris Jones moved back in the middle and it was like, okay, now we're actually, we can get to the QB. So we need, between Carl Aftis and, and Mike Dana, we need that that other factor in the, in the um, pass rushing game opposite Frank Clark and Chris Jones. So basically what, if I boil this down to a couple sentences here, because we've ranted on and on about this whole defensive line. The usual read option rants. Read option rants. Yeah. Uh, episode whatever, three or four since we started doing that. <laughs> since we started ranting. <laughs> what was it last year? Read option puns? Yeah. <laughs> read was, option. That was last episode. It was read op- it was It was something because we were talking about, uh, we ended up on a Christmas morning metaphor. That's Remember right. That? Yeah. <laughs> read option, uh, read option metaphors. Yeah. Yeah, the read option comedy tour is coming to a city near you. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, we're staying in Kansas City. Coming to a venue near you. Yes. <laughs> we'll open up a Chiefs but, game and do a stand-up comedy show. Yeah. <laughs> or halftime. That'd be fun. Anyway, to boil this down to a, to a couple sentences here, we believe that if Frank Clark hits the ex- reasonable expectation that we have for him, only it's likely that only one of Mike Dana or George Karlaftis is going to really be set free, certainly in the in the stat book, um, and when we when all is said and done at the end of the season, for both of these guys to be set free, Frank Clark is going to have to be on either end of the spectrum, either getting significant even significantly worse than he was last season, and just not providing any pressure what's really whatsoever and so both of these guys are going to need to play together oftentimes yeah because frank clark can't be effective when he's on the field a significant amount of time or frank clark is going to be historically good and draw so much attention his way that anyone who's got any talent on the other side of the line is going to be extremely effective in getting to the quarterback i think I, there's nothing else I can really add to that. But so in honor of the Freedom Show, we have four guys who we want to look forward to being set free, and that is uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jody Fortson, George Karlaftis, and Mike Dana. If you guys out there have a player that you want to be set free this season, please feel free to tweet at us. Um, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're right. We'd love to hear it and give your own player. But I think um, – terms of the freedom show i think that's i think we can we can wrap it up only only parting shot i'll say is that the chiefs will be in very very good position if all four of those guys are set free absolutely in the off chance that all four of the guys that we've talked about are set free this season i think the chiefs have a really good chance at getting back to the big game with that man i think we are all set well thank you guys for tuning in again and have a happy and safe fourth of july we will see you next week peace out
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Read Option Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at ReadOptionKC.